From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you Unconquered with Doc Staples. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by EPR Creations, by Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, by Shenandoah Real Estate in the Research Triangle of North Carolina, by Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida, and by my newest advertising partner, Justin Galloway of Benchmark Mortgage. As always, information's in the show notes. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast with Doc Staples. Well, it was a crockpot game after all. This was a pretty ugly win, but you know what? Survive and advance at this stage of the season is just what the doctor ordered. Uh, as the doctor, as I bring up the doctor, this was a game where the as I kind of hinted at in the uh, in the preview where I commented on. Uh, Florida State needing all of their wide receivers to step up in this one. <laughs> uh, Florida State did not have, of course, their two cheat code wide receivers, Johnny Wilson, sitting out one more week and then uh, to get healthy before Miami, and then Keon Coleman, a uh, scratch uh, as well. So Florida State playing without those two cheat code players, and yeah, it made a difference. You could see the difference uh, in the calling of an offense, just basically maintaining production and big plays and all of that much more difficult when you're playing, you know, on Heisman mode rather than on, you know, maybe turn it down to all American or varsity and uh, maybe add a cheat code or two, you know, that, uh, that, that's the difference when you have those other, other two guys out there, they open everything up for everybody else. And, you know, this pit team was a physical football team. They were going to challenge you at the point of attack on both sides of, of the football. And really, I think it was, this is an interesting game plan from Florida State on both sides of the ball. So let's go ahead and take a look at the at the offensive side first for for FSU here. I think ultimately a big part of the the game plan for for Florida State on the offensive side boiled down to their conviction that that Pitt couldn't really hurt him enough to score a bunch and win this football game as long as they didn't do anything stupid on offense. And thing is talked about it in the preview that was that was kind of the 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 read coming in and <laughs> i commented that the way that this pit team beat louisville you know going back and looking at that louisville game the, the way that they beat louisville was louisville was over two on fourth down on fourth and short and turned it over five times and it's like well you know florida state as long as they don't you know go over on fourth down and turn it over a bunch then they'll be fine well the first half they had two fumbles, lost one, and were over, over one in this case on fourth and one, down in in the uh, in the red zone. So, yeah, that they they started out on the pit over Louisville script. I mean, it's exactly what they wanted to avoid, but for the most part, they 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 basically played a pretty safe game plan in this to to try to take advantage of what looks Pitt was going to give them. Uh, and all in all, I mean, the offensive the overall offensive numbers weren't that bad. I mean, it's pretty a pretty good overall outing if you're just looking at the yardage and, and success rate and all of that. I mean, per game on paper, 43% success rate. I mean, that's 61st per, first percentile. That's not bad. That's not where they've been at different points, but that's not bad. I mean, you'll you'll take that in most games. And yeah, they just didn't... The big thing is that they didn't finish on a number of drives. I mean, you go down the list... And first drive was a fumble. Second drive was on downs. Then 
Uh, third drive was four four plays, 19 yards, punt. Then the next drive, three plays, eight yards, punt. Three plays, 19 yards, punt. And then three plays, one yard, punt. And that takes you into the middle of the second quarter. And then they finally started to get things together in that middle portion of the game. Went touchdown, field goal, punt, touchdown, touchdown. And that was the ball game right there. Because ultimately, Pitt was not in position to where they were they were going to score a bunch of points. Now, they did have the one long play, the 80-yarder that uh, was they, they did to Florida State. What Florida State and every team that is going to play Pitt tries to do to them, which is... You get the outside wide receiver one-on-one against quarters. You beat that inside leverage corner. You throw it over the top of the safety. You get an advantageous matchup. And in this case, they got a lot of separation on Fentrell Cypress. And if it weren't for Cypress really fighting back and refusing to to give in on the last few yards when the receiver's going in and forcing a, a fortunate fumble and then getting that recovery there, this game's very different because... Pitt then is playing from ahead for longer and potentially you're looking at a 14 to nothing lead at one point rather than a seven to nothing lead and seven to nothing didn't really feel that threatening because you felt like, okay, look, they're probably not going to score many more points, if any, and eventually certain things are going to get on track for the offense. So just, you know, just keep chopping wood and you're going to be fine. And that's, that's basically what they did offensively. They tried to, uh, to, to handle it that way. That said, I mean, the overall efficiency play to play wasn't bad, but what Pitt counts on is being able to get you on uh, tackles for loss to get you off schedule just enough on this play or that play that they're going to get you to stop and that they're going to stop drives. So they'll give up plays, but they want to stop drives. That's, that's sort of their philosophy. And you look at what they did. They managed to, to stuff 11 runs that Florida state had. And they managed 11 tackles for loss in this game for minus 40 yards. And again, they, they kind of exposed where Florida State has had some weaknesses. And, and I thought most of all, I thought Roddick was taken advantage of on the interior, uh, continues to kind of be sort of the weakest link on that offensive line, which has not been as strong as what it needs to be most of the season. And that's something they're going to continue to have to resolve but uh, but they were good enough, and you know they knew they didn't need to score a bunch of points in this game. They knew they needed to protect the football. And again, what Pitt kept doing was loading the box. It's what Pitt does. They load the box. They force you to either choose to throw because they've got extra guys in the box, and then they're going to try to t- try to uh, roll the dice in, in terms of getting to your quarterback before your quarterback's able to get it off, or just having good enough cover guys to stick with your receivers. And frankly, against Florida State's backup wide receivers, which wasn't even all of their backups. I mean, Deuce Span was not out there. Hakeem Williams was not out there. You know, you didn't have your full complement of wide receivers. You got four of your of your main wide receivers out for this game. They were able to cover Darian Williamson. They were able to cover, to some degree, Destin Hill. They were able to cover a, a bunch of these other guys, Poitier, who didn't actually have a catch in this game despite a couple of targets. So, you know, they were able to hang with those guys down the field for the most part, though, again, FSU still 22 completions for 360 yards. It just was a little bit more sporadic and not getting those sort of dagger plays all that often. Now, they did go to the nice use of tempo with the uh, the, uh, tight end lined up as a tackle in an unbalanced formation. 
to to get a cheapie and you know that was the that was sort of the the dam breaking after that one you know Pitt knew they needed to start throwing the football a little bit and start scoring in order to get back in the football game and once they had to start throwing it the ball game is over I mean you look at they use numbers and 15 of 35 43 percent through that one pick could have been more 244 yards just and that includes the 80 yarder uh so you know once they actually had to start throwing that was when this game turned and really the thing is if florida state scores on that first drive where they're moving a little bit and fumble and then gets the fourth and one and you're up 14 this game gets out of control really really quickly and that's something that that if you're talking about the one thing that this florida state team continues not to do it's not taking care of business that way up front, especially on the offensive side of the ball early in games. And that's something they're going to have to, to really fix. And that's, you know, obviously it helps when you have your cheat code wide receivers out there to do that, but they've not done a great job of putting, you know, putting two and uh, double tapping up front early in games to make it so that essentially the other team is, is starting to already have to play a different game than they wanted to Pitt was able in this game to play a lot of what they wanted to play in terms of tempo, in terms of the kind of game that they called, they controlled the tempo of this game. And that's why Florida state for the first time in like a year and a half, what 14 or over a year, 14 games, I think it was uh, first time in a long time didn't score over 30 points. And it's just ultimately this was, this game was played at Pitt's pace and there were just too many little mistakes and not enough in ter- in the way of game breakers to be able to change the scoreboard enough. And again, Florida State is going to have to take care of that. And and I do think you you get to the to the college football playoff, the the playbook on how to handle this Florida State team defensively is sort of out there at this point. And I think we're going to see Miami do that. And that is load the box try to pressure him and make Jordan Travis uncomfortable and sort of roll the dice and live and die with those wide receivers, whether or not they, they win over and over and over again out there. And you'll take a few losses in order to sacrifice for inconsistency on FSU side. And that's what they're going to have to handle next week. And I think that's the, that's the concern. The other big concern is that Jordan Travis last couple drives was, was a little gimpy. I mean, he, the, the cameras caught him at one point uh, sort of looking down that right leg as he was coming off before uh, on, uh, off of his last drive. But I think it started a couple drives before that. I think really what happened is he got he got pulled down from behind and something on that right side. Probably, I think the, the knee kind of came down on the hard on the uh, on the on the ground. So probably some sort of bruise or something like that is my guess. I need to go back and take a look at where exactly, when exactly he started, started limping, but uh, he's going to be getting treatment this week and is probably not going to be fully 100% for Miami. Uh, though, you know, that's the kind of game where, you know, you quarter zone it up and <laughs> you, you do what you need to do. And then, you know, count on maybe a light week the next week, given that you've got South, Al- uh, South Alabama. So it's just kind of the, that stage of the season, but yeah, on, on the whole, the biggest thing that, that I took away on this one is, is FSU was not able to run with, run the football with sufficient consistency, uh, the way that you'd like it in this game. And 
that ultimately led to kind of the delay in pulling away. And that's why it took so long to pull away from a team that just is anemic on offense. And they had a couple uh, chances early on to essentially run away with this game and change the momentum. And they didn't take advantage of those. Uh, Interesting thing by the fourth quarter, I was thinking, look, they're going to have to go 11 man running game and just run Jordan Travis a bunch. And they already had started running him a little bit, but I was thinking, you know, look, you can't get keep getting gamed out of out of these run run calls and chucking it downfield. You're gonna have to start really playing the, the run and, and pushing the run game and just count on being able to finish uh, finish uh, those drives in in the running game. Even though you're getting an occasional loss and all that, just keep chopping wood. Well, Norvell and Atkins did me one better. I, I think. They, they made an even better choice, which was to do more true RPO stuff and to turn the RPO stuff loose on the inside part of the field. So tight ends, slot receivers, just hitting those seams inside stuff behind the backers, which is something we talked about on the, uh, on the preview. And they did that sort of in the early fourth quarter, late third quarter, uh, and that broke the game open. They were able to get a couple scores there, and then that, that basically took care of things. Uh, once they were up by three scores, the ball game was over because that pit team was not gonna not gonna score like that. Um, other than that, I mean, offensively, I think this is sort of an interesting uh, test case in terms of what do you look like when you don't have the freaks uh, at wide receiver, and you know what does Jordan Travis look like? And looks pretty good. I mean, twenty two of thirty six, three hundred sixty yards. That's efficient, but one touchdown and you know not much damage on the scoreboard that's the difference is you know Travis looks like a much more dominant quarterback when he's got the guys out there who can make him look even better uh but you know he handled himself well eventually Trey Benson was able to get that 55 yarder which you know changed the outlook of the day for him and uh yeah just a overall decent performance not great but kind of what they needed at this stage of the of the season. You survive in advance and, and, and you feel pretty good about that. Uh, should also mention, Keziah Holmes got four carries late. And once again, I really liked what he looked like in the running game. Uh, a guy that, you know, again, you like a lot of what you see from him. So uh, intrigued for the future about uh, what, what he brings to the table as a running back. Just a lot of, he, he kind of, looks very natural to me hitting seams and the acceleration looks, looks excellent at that size. So very intrigued on what, what they have there and what he'll look like once he gets more opportunities earlier in games. So, um, so yeah, that's one of the, one of the things I wanted to highlight, uh, Morlock as well, definitely earned his scholarship today. That 63 yarder, uh, broke that game open with the, uh, with, with the catch and then the stiff arm and then showing the athleticism, not many guys that big move like that, and you can see why this coaching staff really likes him so much and features him so much, despite some of the things that some of the areas where he still has a lot of room to grow. So, uh, yeah, quality, quality outing from him. Flipping it over to the defensive side. Uh, this, was, this was, I thought, sort of a middling performance from the defense. I, I, I think the offense really, in a lot of ways, played kind of how I expected him to. I mean, I didn't think they'd, they'd have that, you know, that you take away that fumble in the, in the, Miss on fourth and one, and they're right on the production numbers expected. 6.8 yards per play, you know, probably 31 plus points at that point in terms of, you know, convert on one of those drives. Feel pretty good about that. 
that that's that's in along the lines of of what you're expecting in terms of overall output. Defensively, you know, Pitt averaged 5.6 yards per play. I mean, I thought under five was probably the the target here in terms of it, what a good performance would look like against this Pitt team, but ultimately they they did get a couple plays. They got a couple big plays in. And really, honestly, it was the one play. It was the 82-yarder that really changed the the feel of this game, especially through those through that first half. Because you take that 82-yarder away, and all of a sudden you're at 251 yards given up total on the game. Uh, let's see, that would make it 4.25 yards per play given up. I mean, that's that's dominance. You give up 4.25 yards per play against the Power 5 team, and you've dominated that team. So, you know, really it was that 182-yard play that that changed the way that this game felt defensively. And so, in some sense, I think my feel of having expected this defense to come out and, and dominate a little more than they did is maybe a little unfair, just because they <laughs> they they did pretty well dominate that team aside from that, that one play. And, uh, and they did get you know, another scoring drive out of that, uh, out of that first half, but, um, you know, shorter, shorter field and all of that. And that's something actually I should mention. The short field was a factor. The field position was a significant factor in this game, especially through the early going. I mean, the, the first two and a half quarters of this game, Florida state kept starting from deep in their own territory and Pitt kept getting the football close to close to midfield. So now that that switched a little bit once Pitt turned the football over a little bit and, you know, that changed the the course of the game in that respect. But, uh, you know, Pitt ended up with three, three turnovers, a couple of them late once the game was basically already getting out of hand and they, they then had to start throwing the football. And again, that's the sort of thing where if Florida State had gotten up earlier in the game and, and forced Pitt into those uh, scenarios where they needed to throw it more, you know, then you're opening up the the possibility of them turning it over like they did late much earlier in the in the floodgates opening a lot earlier in this game which one of the things by the way not doing that earlier in this game facilitates is getting a guy like Jordan Travis hit and having him you know gimpy after the game so yeah um other than that i mean you you look at the overall numbers here they had uh 3.7 yards per rush that was actually the same on both sides uh not a whole lot really that they that they were able to get in the running game they got a couple a couple of plays so let's see had Hammond had an 11 yarder another 11 yarder and uh, Carter had a 20 yarder and Flemister had a 16 yarder so you know they've got a few a few plays where they were able to to gap or to gash Florida State's front just a little bit but uh, nothing really severe FSU's safety still need to do a better job tackling and I do think Hussey continues to uh, to earn more playing time. Once again, the guy is a turnover magnet. He just he just finds the football, forced fumble and an interception in this game. On let's see, how many snaps did he have? Uh, I don't have the snap count handy yet, but it was not a bunch of snaps. And he still, you're looking at his his uh, overall. Uh, his line had a solo tackle an INT and a forced fumble in limited reps. And that guy just, he's a football player. I'd like to see more of him 
especially since some of the other safeties just don't do a great job of getting guys on the ground. Uh, you know, watching Dent, who had seven total tackles, three solo, just whiffing in one case uh, in the in the backfield. You just get frustrated watching that with some of the some of the safeties right now. But um, but I think with Hussey, they've they've got themselves one for the future. He he really looks like he's going to be a player, or is already a player. So uh, so that's a that's a, a major positive coming out of this one. Um, beyond that, just thinking through, I, I'd like to see just a little bit, little bit better tackling overall. Uh, but yeah, they, this was a, this was a solid performance defensively against a pretty anemic offense and one that you needed to be able to choke out. And ultimately they gave up seven points could have easily been 14, but there really weren't any other drives that were much of a threat. And, you know, that's, that's, that's solid defense. I mean, you look at where, where did Pitt finish each drive? So looking at this, uh, finished at their own 46, their own 23, their own 18, scored. Or, well, fumbled through the end zone. Uh, then their own 40, 41, then scored. Then their own 39, their own 46, their own 34. Uh, then uh, then they got a, a, a couple plays, got, uh, got it on got it to the FSU 41 then their own 39 FSU 44 so aside from the touchdown drive and the 82 yarder that they fumbled through the end zone they only got it in Florida State territory twice and didn't cross the 40 so I mean it's not much to complain about from the defensive side when you think about that and they did what they needed to do they played a lot of just base defense dared Pittsburgh to to be able to beat them at their base, applied pressure when they needed to, handled the 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 offensive line in the pass rush, and with the exception of that long long play, uh but mostly handled their business in the in the secondary. So not much to be upset about. You'd like to see certain things get cleaned up, especially the tackling end, uh and of course the the big play. But beyond that this is again. This was a survive and advance game. You get to the to this stage of the season, you're playing against conference teams. You're playing banged up. You don't have, you know, two of your your best players on offense. Arguably, other than your quarterback, your two most important players on offense aren't out there, and still manage to and, and a few other guys banged up, and you still manage to to win comfortably. Not as comfortably as you'd like, but a game that was really you look at the uh at the game probability and you know, look at a game on paper, the win probability for Florida State in this game never never got below uh what, seventy two point eight percent. So this was not a game that was ever really in doubt. By the time you got to the second half, you know, you were looking at win probabilities in the high eighties, and then eventually what Okay, so that no, actually the 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 lowest it got was seventy seven point nine percent. So you know that's 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 a dom- pretty dominant performance. You're never really in in danger, despite the fact that early in early going you just weren't finishing drives. You weren't uh, weren't putting the ball in the end zone and all of that. Going to have to continue to get better on those things. Going to have to clean some stuff up. Definitely going to have to play a much cleaner game against Miami, but you get your two cheat code guys back or should against Miami. 
I, you know, I think Miami beats this Florida State team if they if they don't have those guys and play like they did today. But you put those two guys out there, and it's a, a radically different different team. You can see why they went after those guys in the transfer portal, why they went after them so hard on on the difference that they make for this for this offense. Well, it's now Miami week, so we all know what chant that calls to mind. And on that note, I will go ahead and leave uh, leave things off. Go and do likewise. Thanks for listening. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts and wherever else you listen to podcasts, post and repost episodes on social media, and tell a friend. And if you haven't left a review in a while, do it again. It really does help the visibility of the podcast. Before we go, I'd also like to thank my advertising partners once more. That's EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Real Estate in the Research Triangle of North Carolina, Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida, and Justin Galloway of Benchmark Mortgage, serving Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. You can also stop by the Unconquered shop at unconqueredpodcast.com where you can buy stickers, pins, magnets, t-shirts, and other swag. And thanks also to all those supporters over at Patreon where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast. I am especially grateful to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Neil Cook, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Dave Blair, Hector Cartagena, Jack Horton, Jimmy Van, Jonathan Kennedy, Keith Cheney, Lee Caswell, Tyler Kashishke, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. You all are far more generous than I deserve. I'm really grateful. Thanks to you all. This has been Unconquered with Doc Staples. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. I made this. <laughs> <laughs>